We are not heroes, nor are we villains. Neither kings nor magicians, but we can tell you their stories. We are the Lore Keepers, and we welcome you to Halloween. Welcome to Halume. You've tuned into Lore Keepers, a podcast devoted to chronicling the serialized world building of a sprawling tapestry of interwoven lore. I'm Frank. I'm Carter. This season is serialized. Um, we're actually wrapping up. This is this is kind of just a, a what do you call it? A, not a prospectus. It's like a term to describe sort of you're looking back on something. I guess it's a review kind of of the last this series so far. And just see kind of what we produced and give us an opportunity to kind of, is there anything we wanted to explore further? Is there anything? It's kind of like a, it's a, almost like a lore bits, a mini episode sized lore bits with a little bit on the other side to determine what we're going to do next. So, um, yeah, I, I guess I kind of already said all that. Anyways, let our tingling audio gateway sweep you into the realms of Halime. So this week, as Frank said... Shop it's a review. We're reviewing Scars of Divinity. We had uh what, like six episodes? Eight. Eight. This is the ninth. Yeah. And Keeping uh, helping. We started with this kind of action-packed kaiju battle. And uh, we ended with uh theocracies and how like the political landscape changed because of this. Which we talked about a little bit as well, like on the previous one. We, we've we talked about, like, Osteos was a really good episode. I quite enjoyed that one, going more into Tears' stuff and the weird realm that is Osteos. Mm-hmm. Like, Frank, if you had to pick a favorite, I know I'm making you choose between your children, but favorite from this serial, what was it? I think that some of my favorite stuff from it was probably Osteos, honestly, because Osteos it helped me sort of understand. There were some really solid bits in there of painting a picture of what Osteos was like, sort of reviving it and making it more interesting. I think that's probably my top one. I barely even remember what we talked about with the Scars of Divinity on Magic. Yeah, I think that was a really general one. We went through a lot of stuff we've already tread ground but osteos felt like there's a lot of new stuff a lot of cool ideas the dripping i like the dripping mm-hmm. i think we might have skipped an episode no we didn't skip an episode but i think we- it goes one two three four five seven eight so maybe we only did ep- seven episodes i don't know we might have deleted-, we did deleted one by accident who knows? Well, we did what we did, and we're on the other side of that one. And honestly, I think I'm ready to move on to not talking about the gods for a long while, because like we've in addition to the last year, this has just been like it's the first two and a half, three months of the year that we've still been talking about the gods. Let's talk about something else. 
in a little bit, just a little bit longer. We're going to we're going to kind of review some of that. So let's just go from the top to bottom and kind of talk recap. What did we talk about? What were some of the things that we learned or experienced or explored? And is there anything sort of left over we wanted to engage with? Yeah. So. Well, oh, yeah. What were your favorite pieces, though, before I, I do that as well? Osteos, probably. OK, I liked what we ended on with the theocracies. I thought like to going yeah. into the political landscape a little bit and right, highlighting that the, we need to talk about the Stratus-Master Accords again with like how humans are treated. Agreed. Agreed. I feel like we I, can't I just sideline humans for uh, 2,000 years. Again. It's taken a completely different tint because I think part of it was it didn't make sense. Once I actually started to map out Avon Tertius, you know, like we came up with the Stratus-Master Accords years ago. And... Once I actually started to map out Avon Tertius, it's like, well, there's 10,000 years almost of history here. There's no way that the humans are going to remain slaves that entire time. The very but it all does humans al- being enslaved that time. Yeah, it does allow it to be a little muddy. I think, I think there's some really interesting things we can do with that. Um, yeah. But before we do, let's start with, um, let's start with that, like, Dawn fight. The kaiju battle. The, yeah, the kaiju battle. I think where we ended up was basically this angel was actually hunting a a demi divine. Yeah, a demi divine. Wait, wasn't it? Wasn't there also a an aspect there? Oh, maybe they were hunting an aspect. Who, a like, dingier, yeah. Who was like trying to become a demi divine or something like this? Yeah, the don was going. Stuff. The the don was going after the dingier. and I think either the dingier was there because of the aberrant or because uh, because the or the aberrant was drawn to the dingier, or it just kind of happened. But I definitely remember. I think there was also a demigod there. I feel like there were four beings. There was a dawn, a dingier, an aberration, and a fourth thing. Because it was yeah. called. Uh, I, I think that I think that the name of the episode was "Close Encounters of the First Through Fourth Kind." But the um, what it, what ended up happening there in the story was the. Angel and the Dingier put aside their differences, fought the Aberrant together, and then the Angel kind of went AWOL. And either like returned and was like, oh, I couldn't find uh-huh. the D- Dingier. Yep. I think I remember what I like so much about this episode. Yeah. I think we figured out that during the time of the second casualty, Angels and Devils were working together. For a very short period, and it was an extremely untrusting uh, relationship, but they were because uh, the aberrants and tears forces were like threatening to collapse existence. Yeah. And so they were like, we can't be fighting each other. We have to take these dudes out. And so I think what it was was that the dusk was actually leading a force of of like uh, it's some fiendish creatures. And I think that was the fourth kind was you have fiends, aberrants, dingier and the and the dawn. Which is like fucking crazy. Like that is, I mean, dude, I don't know. I, I think I would love to just kind of see. I'd love to do a one shot of just either the people who are living there in the moment and just like, what would that be like to witness or being individuals that were participating in this? I think that'd be a really fun game to run. I Make agree. for a great level 20, you know, fight, right? Like you have to go up against some sort of like world ending aberrant and one of you is playing like an arch demon and another person's playing a dawn and the third person's playing a dingier like that seems really cool yeah one of the um 
one of the D&D campaigns I like to watch on uh, Twitch slash YouTube uh, just had a kaiju fight with, like, an actual mech <laughs> fighting, like, a, a weird divine beast. And I was like, this is... I think this is too much when like each of the people have like, like someone was in the right leg and the left leg. And <laughs> they were each doing actions like that. That's very funny. Yeah. Yeah. So like the right leg had leg actions and yeah, that's very funny. Um, okay. We should probably keep it moving though, just cause we don't want to yeah. spend too much time on any one of these. Uh, so this, the, the episode we did after that, we talked about the war of the divinities. So this the was the, that... all the divine divine stuff. And demigods fighting against the concert and well i think it was actually the divine war between heaven and hell is what this one was oh okay so i i get it's all blur for the ascension of mortals was the one okay i know this is and that's the purpose of this episode is kind of like separate out and be like wait we talked about this the divine war between angels and devils and demons yes the fiends yeah, we think some of the things that we we landed on uh, from the notes, like we talked about soul energy and how um, like if, you know, this is this is something that like a lot of the, the demonic forces are actually like kind of ranging and looking to cut off souls or catch souls on their yes. way to the heavenlies. Um, you have the fact that like because of the warfare, it kind of um fucks with some people's sense of who are the good guys or at least who's because like the, drone the strikes at least at the beginning yeah like so like there's like drone strike type behavior from from the ethereum as much as there is from the from the devils and it's like a lot of casualties as a result of that um, and then another big thing that we talked about was the idea that maybe some of the fiendish forces actually claimed a shard of the heavens Yes. It's like one of the realms that they like conquered a piece of. Sorry, go ahead. I want to make a clarificatory statement about the absentium. Yeah. I think some magic, some nine flow does get there, but it's very little compared to even Sadar. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. I'm down with that. I mean, Osteos kind of links everything to everything, right? Yeah. So nothing is ever truly cut off from anywhere else. It's just way, way like uh, the flow has been. Whatever you call that when like a river loses all of its power. Yes. And stemmed. so the I flow think has been stemmed. The name Sentium, like the absent realms. I think this was like there. There's no like intelligent life living there. There's no like people or mm-hmm. gods. Mm-hmm. And so it wasn't an absence of magic just to make that clear. And so like the, the fiends and the, um, mutes do get some access to magic in this regard that they like can feed their essence, but it's woefully insufficient. They're like starving. Yeah. And also in addition to that, maybe Osteos fucks it up. Like Osteos has that weird ability, right? To change something into a different nature. Maybe magic as it appears in the absentium is like sludge or something like that. Like it just like or I mean, it could be different depending on the realm, but like there might be some fun flavor there about like, how does that affect the way that you think these beings can survive or whatever? Hmm? Think of a side in. Well, that wasn't intentionally. I was more thinking of Orun. Oh, okay, well, yeah. and how Orun sort of like corrupts the flows of well, magic and Orun causes them to fall apart and decay. Was it? Yeah. That wasn't my intent. 
I was more just trying to come up with a reason why you didn't have like uh, uh, magic in the same way. You're well, it's it's a there. Isn't it? magic wasn't inspired by the fucking Watsi. Not what was it the coast? Watsi. <laughs> the what? Yeah. The what? 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 Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I really liked talking about uh, one of my favorite things about that episode was honestly just realizing how asymmetrical the warfare would likely be. Right. The Ethereum is not necessarily trying to. I mean, they are trying to destroy the Absentium or at least like stem it. But because they're not necessarily they're not inherently destroyers, they're just trying to hold the line for the most part. Yeah. And for long periods of it, it is just kind of the Absentium going after them until they realize, hey, we don't actually have enough forces or enough strength to make this happen in the way in that way. So instead, we're kind of be more like strategic about it. Yeah, and I they, see it this is where we started right. to kind of realize how important Osteos was in all of these roles, because that's where a lot of the warfare, I think, would be fought. I see it very much in the vein of Tolkien's elves versus Tolkien's orcs, where, like, the elves were created by Iluvatar, Eru, the One, and they were, like, meant to love life in this incredibly intimate way. Mm-hmm. Whereas the orcs were twisted by Morgoth, which the orcs are originally they were elves right but yes. they got twisted right yes or at least some of the first orcs were and then they started creating them themselves right yeah there's a there's a weird uh Tolkien's not super clear on how the orcs procreate after like they were corrupted elves so it's like i thought it was just asexual honestly i it's thought unclear. it was just kind of is the mud pits thing just a uh what's his name like the movie's interpretation there's some, I think, writing where it has something to do with, like, some orcs can be made by mixing the blood of orcs with mud or something, and, like... Okay. I'm, I'm not entirely certain. That's some gotcha. deep lore that's, like, certainly not confirmed. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, I don't know. I really liked that episode. I thought it was a lot of fun to kind of... Um, it was a good primer for the osteo stuff, which yeah, but, is Frank, the next Let me finish my thoughts. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Are you just you got really you you sort of because you started asking I, me questions. I, I led you off. I led you off the path. I apologize. It's so the elves have this inf- intimate love of life and the orcs are these twisted versions of the elves that are were twisted to hate living and to hate all things that take enjoyment from life and living things. And so they're made in this image of like desiring only to destroy life. And I see that as kind of similar to where the mutes are at this point, where they're like, they really fucking mm. hate the gods and all the gods do. And the, and the gods are like, we don't like the mutes, but like we have other stuff to do than to hate. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's true. I mean, I will say uh, just as a counterpoint to that, that there is the mutes we discovered are definitely not a monolith in terms yes. of like what they need, they want to do or what their goals are or their means for getting it. But I do think when it trickles down to you're talking about individuals and they're just their workforce, they're probably not devoting a lot of time and energy into making these beings like full fledged independent entities. So giving them just kind of a single driving force, like I just want to kill shit is like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense to sort of just like let demons sort of grow out and be that way. Right. So when they're going to wreck shop, you just point them at something and just say, all right, you, you go and do that. We're going to go do this other thing, kind of work our way around or whatever. All right. Um, so, yeah, moving forward, though, uh, did you have a favorite or any leftover questions that you wanted uh, to kind of explore with uh, with that war? 
Um, I think I liked some of the stuff with like the angels kind of doing weird shit. That's like that kind of seems bad. <laughs> I like that stuff. Like that there was some like compromise. Like, well, yeah, it's not great, but um. But like, oh, Look, there's, if, a, there's if, like if a we, cult. we can't see another way of solving this, right? Yeah, it's like, oh, there's a cult in this town. Uh, we don't really know who's who and who's in the cult. And like, it would take a really long time to figure it out. Let's just kill them all. Yeah, or even not even kill them all, but like sort of you could st- uh, still them all like uh, stilling in uh, Dragon Age or I guess in. Whoa, I think more like Dragon time. Age or whatever they call it than in Wheel of Time because Wheel of Time is just gentling. gentling. Yes, because like stilling is like you just you're cut off from side R or side in. But these aren't all necessarily magic casters. Yeah, I'm talking about like there is a gentling of their minds, right? They're sort of like a, a almost like lobotomized spiritually or or, or mentally. Ooh, I've even I've oh shit, they would be scour- scouring their spirits, dude. Yeah, They'd be yeah. ripping the soul sh- like shreds off to like sort of reduce the drive or impetus to do a specific thing which absolutely would be like tearing away their personality and leaving them as just kind of a my last word of themselves my last word on this this one frank uh i also think that they like instigated uh pogroms being like oh like we don't really know who is bad here so like just tell the villagers there's some bad people and let them figure it out (laughs) Oh my god, yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, there's some real Warhammer shit in there, huh? Yeah, yeah for sure. Alright, we do gotta move on, though. We got okay. we got another uh, several of these. So, uh, after we talked about those, we did get into Osteos, which uh, as I mentioned, lots of really fun and interesting things in that one. Um, some of the key highlights were realizing that Osteos is not scars as much as fractures, right? And we started to use that term and play with the idea of, like, fracturing reality. Um, and that if these are the bones of the world, at, initially I was like, are, is, is tears like fracturing them into themselves? No, he's fracturing, creating like fractures in it into non-existence and non-existence is sort of like bleeding through. And this is where the aberrants come from, which makes a lot of more sense than just like, I don't know, there's holes in the bones that the aberrants kind of just move through and eventually make it into reality. No, this is tears. He's doing this on purpose. Um, Look, Frank, and also realizing this is a series of two. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my god, it's like the internet, right? Yep. It's all a series like of tubes. Internet. But like that Tears gets this idea. I think one of the my favorite pieces of this was because we realized there is some portion of reality that got severed. And it got severed, like amputated from the body of Halome because the gods were afraid that some sort of infection that was going on there was going to spread to the rest of the cosmic body. And so they cut it off, and this is what gave Tears the idea to start doing his shit this way. Like, Tears might not have even existed before whatever this was got amputated. Um, And so, first of all, on its own, that idea of, like, this amputated chunk of reality sort of just, what is it like now? I don't know if people even know that this happened, because if that thing has been amputated from everything that is known or knowable, then it might not be something that even the gods remembered happened or something. You know, like there might be a level of, well, it didn't happen because it no longer happened past tense. The past tense of it has been cut off too. all of it has. Yeah, 
I don't know. It was really cool. Also, the idea of like rotting bones or bones that were like, you know, like becoming like paper thin and crunching under your feet when you're walking through the corrupted parts of Osteos is some pretty good pretty visuals there. Pretty tasty. Yeah. Do you have anything you liked about uh, Osteos or wanted to explore? I, I really like the stuff we're doing with this like atmospheric building it out into its own kind of thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, the aberrant stuff was good. The the I think was that the episode where we're like maybe mind flayers are aberrant uh celestial. Yes, I we initially had some thought that was like maybe it was angelic beings who got captured by tears and was warped. And mm-hmm. I think like pretty much I think that's pretty much what happened. Like it's so good, you know? It's just it's so good. Of course tears would need like subjects to like experiment on his shit it's tasty also i thought it was really refreshing to realize like okay well if tears is inspired by this then like it would make sense that his shit is so indeterminable uh because it doesn't matter where the fractures happen really as long as he continues to fracture shit it is progressing the plan so even if some stuff like works against itself in theory if one plan like uh, negates another it's still going to cause fractures and i don't know I don't think the gods know how to heal the bone for the most part. I think that was the other thing that we were realizing is that it is, it is this, it's what's terrifying about tears made in a very literal way that we added a lot of richness to is we've always talked about is what's what he's always been the, the end game boss in terms of like, this is what you really should be concerned about in the long run. And all of the stuff that's happening in the absentium is like, yeah, it's, immediately threatening the universe but if you don't deal with tears at some point the rest of it won't matter because it'll all fall apart yeah frank here's the tagline yeah there's nothing to fear but fear itself and that's tears (laughs) exactly yep very that's pretty good all right we gotta oh man we're yeah we gotta keep going got a motor Yep. So after that, we talked about the Ascension of Mortals, and this is where a lot of the stuff about um, the demigods came from, where we, I mean, we've been talking about them, but we talked about them in such great detail here. This is, I think, where we spent a little bit of time with the Provident. We kind of explored how different the Vicar would be from the Votary in terms of their way of relating to demigods, and that it was harder, like the faith part of it was a little bit harder for the, the Vicar than the votary yeah and also that changes what kinds of gods you have your pantheons for the vote the vicar are more frequently well established and unlikely to change whereas the votary might change theirs every couple hundred years yes and a lot of the i have i have a lot of arguments uh discussing the difference between like especially in really established religions different between things that are religiously grounded and things that are merely traditionally grounded. And I make the claim Mm. that everything is traditionally grounded. And then further on top of that, people justify things religiously, but like they always appeal to tradition. Mm. And so I think that any like Vicarian uh, pantheons or demigods or whatever, they have to appeal to tradition because that tradition is so important and is just so ingrained that it's like comes before faith in a weird way. Yeah, that does actually make a lot of sense. Yeah. Because that, I mean, their traditions are something that is like lifelong. They develop their own traditions that other people would experience over a full sense of as far back as you can recall your family in their own life. 
Yeah. And so then you take those individuals and you put them all together and you'd end up with like, well, this is how it is and it has always been this way and it will never change. But also, we kind of talked about this in the episode. I'm sort of having this idea half then and half now. You added a lot of richness to it. I just realized with like with the 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 basing and tradition, if they are developing this stuff over the course of their lifetime, if they ever deviate even a little bit from that stuff and they have a different feeling or belief about the way that something is that also becomes calcified in their memory and sticks around for hundreds of years. So you might have more individuals who have a specific patron deity or relationship to a deity that is completely unique to them or a very small group of people than you would in the votary. Yeah. And I think we maybe see, we see some of that also uh, crossing the streams the other way as well with, with some of the, like the votary. We talked about this when we were like, well, what if they're in close contact with each other? They kind of like, you know, feed off each other's cultures and stuff. But yes, in general, I do think it, 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 helped paint that picture a little bit more. And also one of the, I think my, my takeaway of my favorite thing about this episode and that I would like to explore more in the future at some point is the balance that demigods would have to learn to have between a clarity and coherency of their faith and also denominations or sects, which feel differently about stuff because we know conflict helps keep them alive and also but not too much conflict because if you have the too much conflict then yeah it's like edge <laughs> it's uh yeah they're edging they're constantly edging for decades and centuries sure oh god um but i mean really there is a balance that they have to uh stride there not just even for the sake of well if you have too much conflict then you weaken the church as a whole and then somebody else comes over and, and like takes over your followers. But also because these different people with different views or interpretations of who you are, are going to be a hell to deal with. It's like having multiple different voices that insist that they are who you are in your head. And you're constantly having to balance between all of them because they, they believe different things about you. I don't know. Did you have anything from that episode that you either really liked or want to come back to? I thought the, I mean, just the whole kind of conception of the ascension of the the mortals and the lives of the demi divine. Like I'm, I'm into that. I'd like to go back to that eventually, but nothing. Right yeah, now. it's. I mean, it's re- uh, like it's a really interesting idea, especially because I think we decided or talked about like maybe it's not that way forever. Like mm. maybe there are things that change. We definitely know that there's things that the gods put into place as consequences from shit that happens around the time of the alleviations, the provident, like all that, the meddling that mortals do with, with the gods that really, it makes them decide there have to be some sort of rules here. Um, and as a result, demigodhood is a lot more sparingly found and is more like being, um, you have a you have a whatever you call it, not a mentor sponsor, but like in the art world, you have a, a patron, I guess. Yeah, oh, it's a patron. OK, sure. Well, that's that episode. Um, moving on, we've got just a couple left here. We've got the ley lines as uh, ley line spires as seats of power, which I don't have my uh, 
my notes to do to capture that one unfortunately so we're just gonna have to go off the off the dome there yeah we can we can bang that out we talked quite a lot about about just like the ways the leyline spires divide magic and divide the nine flow into these like irregular bits that will influence how anyone acts and thinks in a certain mm-hmm. radius of them like that's yeah. a big fucking deal yeah like for a force that is supposed to be seen as something that is holistically one right and honestly in a kind of a trinitarian way that it is i don't know if it's that explicit i mean i guess it depends on who you ask and their their philosophy but like is the nine flow all one is it nine different forces that we're just saying are all one is it different sort of frequencies of the same wavelength well i guess it depends on how you view it but yeah like the 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 ley line spires heavily moderate near them who feels what and how they feel about it and why they feel that way like your life path is so heavily driven if you live close to a lay spire uh, lay land spire is so heavily driven by like literally just where you live which i'm actually super okay with that was the point right yeah. like that was something i was intentionally kind of trying to do a commentary on is like the closer that you are to something like this the more strongly it's going to have an impact on you and i and you're going to have a very strong reaction either you lean more into it or maybe you push way hard against it or whatever but like you will find your identity in relationship to it yeah i definitely see that kind of commentary with like the biggest um determinant as to whether you are of a religion a religion b or religion c is which religion is dominant in the area you live yeah I mean, that was a realization I had even a couple of years ago of like, I mean, I had thought about it before, but like I really started to think about it, which is, okay, am I a Christian because I think that this is actually makes the most sense and is most likely the truth, or is it just because I was raised a Christian, right? And when I started to look at it, it's like, I don't know if there's anything specifically about Jesus that you don't see in a lot of other individuals. Like, I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah. But like, absolutely, that is that is very much the energies I was trying to draw on here. Um, We also spent a fair amount of time kind of painting the picture for the people of what it was like to grow up uh, or be a part of the Chevals, right? The uh, the horses. All of the different like God's Chevals are. (laughs) Why did you do this, Frank? You chose to say Cheval. I don't know. It was S H A V A L. You know, it wasn't meant to be. It wasn't meant to be anything else. But um, now, like yeah, now, no, I'm I thinking like the horses. thrones of saddles and. Oh my God! Stop. But yeah, like it, 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 with the with the Okrayet, um, which is collectively all of the Chevals, like you have. This is oh, you know what? This is where we got that idea from of like realizing the whole. Maybe the gods aren't so literal. Maybe they're metaphorical thing right that happens with the later generations and stuff but at the time like it totally screws with a you end up with very striated histories and Mm. uh, perspectives on the world like they get almost like locked into these these mindsets and the cheval as a result become very not disconnected but like very hard to breach that distance from each other because most people that are raised in a cheval like regardless of what disposition they actually end up with their temperament right they're kind of their associated nine flow they still have to like they're they're raised on the same like theology faith belief like these are the rules of the existence these are the things that you should consider to be good and so you 
maybe get interpretations of this different stuff and and like how do people choose to relate to that uh but ultimately the other chevals the people of the other chevals are probably really alien to you you just cannot comprehend why would you put creativity over success like your whole lives you are striving after creativity and just like making things that are beautiful but also you know and a very specific idea of beautiful i guess you know whatever muse wants that to be but also like you're not succeeding at agenda your your people aren't growing you're not developing new things and stuff and then you know vice versa yeah and i think in the episode like here we we had um a lot of crossover between like the gods the spires the chevals and I think that um, what's the next episode? Are we next doing theocracy or theocracy? Yep. I feel like now is the time the to say. And given we're talking about Charles, it's let's talk about the theocracy. Let's talk about the last episode. Yeah, for sure. Which is we really hammer down this idea of right again the scars of divinity. The scars here are the political scars, as I mentioned previously. The gods forming these like true theocracies where the gods mm-hmm. or their representatives rule. And then they fade away. They have better yeah, things like the to do. difference between an active and passive theocracy, or a direct and indirect one, right? Like the fact that they people start interpreting their will, or you know, like you were saying, man, the, what you said about like the the scar on the political structure makes so much sense. And realizing like this is why we see monarchy takes such strong root in like the late period of Avon Tertius is of course it would, because that's how the Chevals were structured. And if this is like quite literally how gods were running things for over a thousand years, regardless of how you feel about the gods, it's like, well, I like to imagine that I'm as powerful as a God or that I have some of God in me because I'm a King and Kings are like that. And your, so, your daddy's daddy's daddy might've had the command from muse to be like, Hey, take yes, over. Exactly. Me. Yeah. And I'm yeah, using and, and like, in a gender neutral term. Yeah. 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 But like, uh, uh, you know, and so that all would scar the political structure. We do see some escape, but like also literally on a, you know, not to get too existential or esoteric about it, but like, yeah, like on the, the, the fundament of Halume itself, this kind of gets branded in there as this is how the people that I almost wonder if that was something that the gods like then look at as like a kind of let this be a memory of like, what this was like for us and that this is a complicated thing where did we save the world? Maybe, but like also look at the consequence, look at how they are now. They are just stuck to this idea, which is not the worst way of governing in the world, but it could be a lot better. Absolutely. So, all right. Well, I think that pretty much ties that one up. For now, I mean, that's in in its totality. I think it was a pretty good opportunity to experience and explore, like, how does divinity interface with with the mortals? But now is the time to think about literally anything but the gods. I'm so ready to move on. I'm getting really excited about not talking about gods. Well, let's pick let's pick our next topic then. All right. So just as a reminder to the listener, um, we have kind of written down a whole bunch of different possible series ideas. Now, uh, Carter and I are each going to pick six, and then from those, the twelve like list of twelve or less ideas, we are going to winnow it down using sort of a uh, call that score 
like t- tiered scoring or whatever. It's basically like Eurovision. Um, yeah, and, and we're starting at six. Six is highest points. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but for starters, we're just naming what our six are. Um, also, if any of them get, uh, if any of them are named by both of us, then they get an extra bonus point. They like start off yes. ahead because obviously we both want to talk about it. Uh, before we go any further, maybe we read through the list and then just see if there's anything else we'd want to add to it as ideas that you've had since since we first came up with these or anything like that. Sure. All right. So you want to read the list? All right. So possible series ideas. We've got all the pantheons. We want to do more fucking God stuff. The eternal divine war. If we want more God stuff. We have Rakvar's life flashing before his eyes if we want to get a little, a little funky. Uh, we have a single plane of reality. I don't even know what that means. Uh, presumably, like, you mean, like, one of the planes? Like, let's pick one of them and go through them? Or, like, in the serial, we do yeah, one Yeah, like, sure. do a series on a specific... Yeah, like, we, we find... Well, no, we, we do a plane of reality, and we spend eight episodes exploring I different see. facets of it, or kind of what it's like. All right, then astrology in the IDL system, or like the IDL system more broadly speaking, like different planets, the moons, maybe that's technically a part of it, and not Yadiel the star itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can cross Scars of Vindy off the list. That's done. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Pax Demiurge, more god stuff. God. Unique ecosystem. Too much god stuff. Fantastic or magical materials, unique to Halame. Floating, the floating continent, which one day we'll describe. Beast folk, which is just, you know, beasts that are folk or folk that are beasts. Specifically, uh, where this was coming from is like we've sort of gestured at it for a long time, but like it's sort of a different thing than all the other ancestries, right? In that they're kind of a not a pun not intended, but a menagerie. They're they're a whole host of different beings, but they're kind of united by their identity as beast folk. And also that they 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 dominate most of the landscape of southwestern Umdara. Yep. And then we have the free elves, buying more into that. Talking more about the decision to be a free the, the, the free elves made and then like what are the free elves like? As this weird hybrid votary vicar ancestry. Um, how do the ancestries view each other? This, I think, comes out of the... In the 5th edition player's handbook, you get, like, a blurb about each ancestry and how each ancestry views each other one, and I thought that was really cool. So that's mm-hmm. a good one. The Riven, the revisitation of the revisitation that we're all waiting for. Oh, my God. The number of times we've come back to that well. Yep. Uh, maybe we'll do it right this time. Maybe not. Uh, the birth of dwarven capitalism, something we all love and are excited for. Lycanthropy or halfling druidism. I like that. That's a good one. Academic magic and like the this is like the establishment of colleges of magic and how the like deans or the presidents of these magical colleges have like what what is that power represented as like that's always a cool thing or like just being like the prestige or the power that comes to being a professor of transmutation plyrhythic laws that's a frank one i don't know what the fuck plyrhythm means 
So pleuritics is the sum total of the self. It'd be like the equivalent of how biology encompasses psychology, physiognomy, um, psychiatry, neurology, etc. Like all the different ologies that astrology have to do with the body ultimately do fit into human biology. Maybe um, how the stars like, affect pleuritics. Pleuritics is the study of the coherent self. So like you have the soul, the spirit, and the and the physical. And all of those are because they are real things in Halome, right? Like, yeah. what does that? The study of the holistic of self, like of self, is is what that is about. And so then, are there are there pleuritic laws in the same way that there are like laws of physics? Right? We have the four fundamental forces, that kind of thing. The the also the troublesome part of any world is like, what are the games that people play? <laughs> Like gambling yeah. games and like recreational games Betting and like, on horses or whatever. Yeah, we have we have our version of like chess with the hexagons because the hexagons yeah. the shape desperately needs a new name. <laughs> yeah, um, we could call it he- Hexa Chess. That sounds great. God, write that down or just checks. <laughs> checks. Ooh, that's good. <laughs> God. Okay. Um. I first of all, I like this list. Secondly, is there anything you'd want to add? to um no i think there's only one but i don't even know if i'd want to do it this uh, right now like above stuff here which is just like history like how do people view no we don't want i don't want to let's just pick from these all right so uh we're just going to name six and then we're going to compare them and we will score all right i'm ready when you are frank okay should we publish Three, two, one, go. All right. So our our finals, Carter, you want to read yours out for the people? I chose Riven, Academic Magic, Lycanthropy, The Floating Continent, Magical Materials, and Unique Ecosystems. And for myself, I chose The Floating Continent, Fantastical Materials, The Free Elves, Academic Magic, lycanthropy and uh gambling so i think we're very much in the same boat about a lot of these yes all right uh so now we are going to rank from top to bottom six being highest uh, highest priority and gets the most points uh bottom being lowest priority gets the least i'm ready when you're frank (laughs) so this is going to be the scoring by the way so it is the first place gets 10 points second place gets seven third place gets five then it goes four two one all right so my personal ranking. So okay, right, did you, by the way, I should just ask you before I write this out. Did you start with number six or do you start with number one? I started with number six. OK, and number six is your lowest score. It's my number highest score. Your highest is your highest score. OK, because so six is the largest said, number, Frank. Yes. OK. All right. So my 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 list goes six, five, four, three, two, one, six being highest, the highest points, highest. points. Yes. OK, I am doing the same. So that way you can just look at the one at the top and be like, that's six points. No, it's worth 10 points. I know that that's that's why it's <laughs> fucked it up. Frank. Uh, so really, we should we should do 10, 7, 5, 4, 2, 1. I mean, if you want to edit your list, I'd do that. All right, let's do it. I don't think it. you want to, though. OK, all I'm right. doing it. This is madness, but I love it for two and one. I don't need to change. Excellent. All right. I'm ready to publish when you are. All right, three, two, one, go. All right, we definitely, I'm going to have to take a second to add these up because it's very different. 
It is very different. <laughs> All right. I think academic magic's going to win. Yeah. Maybe fantastic materials, because I got 15. No, 16. All right. You ready for this? I'm ready. All right. So at the bottom of the list, free elves and gambling um, were tied for seventh and eighth place with only one point each, which is interesting because I think I was thinking that free elves would totally have a high spot or a much higher spot than that, just because there's a lot that you don't have to talk about the gods with. And they're really interesting. What do you mean? The um, Pax Demiurge is like one of the most important parts of free elves. And that's pretty godlike. Well, the Provident, you mean, right? Yeah, sorry. The Pax Demiurge it is. It is, but like, I think I was more curious about like, where do we go from here? Because that's where they come from, sure. So we'd be nodding at it. But really, in truth, like, there's a long, long history of how they interact with and completely stir up history. Anyways. Number six uh, was uh, Unique Ecosystems, which uh, was at the close to the bottom of my list and got two points. And numbers three through five are all tied for 10 points apiece um, with Lycanthropy, The Floating Continent, and The Riven. Yep. Number two is Academic Magic. And topping the list at 14 points and topping the list at 16 points is fantastical materials and where to find them and where to find them. Oh, that's going to be a fun episode. I think to prevent this from going super long, we should probably call it for now and we'll come up with our ideas for what we want the series to look like. And at the beginning of the next episode, does that sound good? Cause then you have time to think about it and like, what do we want to talk about? What is the scope of this? Like what are sort of, as we mentioned before, the limits or the outlands of talking about these materials? What is each one of these episodes going to be about? But I think that that does it for today. But I think uh, I think we can call it for uh, for now. Yeah, I agree. You want to take us out? Yes. Pull it up. All right. Thank you for listening, everybody. If you enjoyed what you heard, don't hesitate to share this with others. Feel free to rate and review us on the podcasting platform of your choice. For references to previous episodes and other fun links, refer to the podcast description. You can find our Twitter and email there, perfect for asking questions on things you'd like us to cover in a future episode. Thanks, as always, to Josh the Silkman Silker for the Land of Heroes theme, and Sam Wade for the album art. You can find Sam at by Sam Wade on Twitter and Instagram. We're capping off each episode this season with a reading from the Book of Truth, which is AI Religion Bot on Twitter, which, by the way, that's not what they call it. We just call it. I just gave it that name at one point just as a throwaway. And then it's just what we've been calling it. Judge Judge of Eurovision 2023 Carter. Do you want to see if you can get us a uh, like a nice, a nice. Scars Divinity themed uh, quote. Let me see if I can do my generic European accent. Oof. Oh my god. What does that even mean? It's, 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 it means it is nothing, essentially. <laughs> um, we leave behind an enduring legacy in the name of the legacy I will share with you the secrets of the past so that you may sit at my table and enjoy your meal. But be warned, this is not merely my story. It is your story as well. What was that supposed to be? <laughs> it's a European accent. Oh my God. It's a mixture of all European accents such that it sounds like yeah. nothing.
really advanced. Only people who are really good at voices know how to mix yeah. them all together like that. And and Frank, until next time, don't forget, there's always more Europeans to piss off. More more ranking lists to make. Bye everyone. See you in the Bye. next series. You ever made tofu katsu? No. Doesn't katsu just mean ketchup? Uh, katsu means cutlet. Oh, okay. You might be thinking of tonkatsu sauce. Maybe. I do love tonkatsu with like ramen. cutlets. Oh, okay. Yeah, tonkatsu. Or however you say that, I've definitely had ramen of that before. It's really good. Hey, yeah, I, I also have had a, a port, a, a tonkatsu ramen, which is a port cutlet ramen. But tofu katsu is tofu cutlets. Are you thinking about making it? Yes. Sorry, I'm just trying to. The cat settled on my lap. She's being very meowy because she wants attention. And mom's not here for her to sit on the lap of for three hours. It looks pretty easy. It's just basically bread it, fry it. Mm -hmm. But I'd also, I'd want to get, I'd want to make the sauce as well. The tonkatsu sauce. It's a good sauce.